Great music, engaging talk, and good memories for our generation. You are listening to Lifestyles 55 Digital Radio. How many kinds of sweet flowers grow in an English country garden? You're listening to Lifestyles 55 Digital Radio. It's time for The Gardener with Dorothy Doby. Well, good morning, gardeners, and it's another beautiful day in Manitoba. There's a lot of snow, but that's okay. It's just getting the earth ready for us for planting in the springtime. And I'm really excited because today I have none other than my favorite guest, Shay Doherty from Our Farm Greenhouse. Good morning, Shay. Good morning. And snow, yes, indeed. But we're going to take it because we were dry in the fall. I know. It's got to be. It's the perfect thing, right? Because the snow melts slowly and sinks into the ground. We hope it has a cool cool spring so it melts yep. slowly. Yes. And yeah, we don't want any rush thawing so the flood comes. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely. So, you know, I think it's going to be a great gardening year this year. You're getting ready for it. Oh, yeah. The greenhouses are already fired up. We have some plants coming in a couple of weeks here. And of course, what we've got to do, as much as we cleaned and sterilized in the fall, now we do it in the spring once again. And that's just because even after we're finished in the fall, we have no idea what type of insects or little critters have moved in into the benches and whatnot over the wintertime for hidey spots. Yes. So you warm the greenhouse benches up and re-sanitize them all again and then... That's they when your grow season them, right? starts. They literally yeah, they come out of the woodwork. <laughs> <laughs> they come out of the woodwork, literally. <laughs> well, before we go into the garden and the great outdoors, I thought it would be a good time to tell folks a little bit about how to rescue their starving, and I mean starving, houseplants right now because they're starving for sunlight. Yes, they are. Yeah. Now, you have a yeah, great we were, uh... yours, yours are all happy because they've got light. Or do you keep the lights on in the winter? Um, no, I don't. But houseplants don't mind that slightly less light. Now, inside a house is a little bit different than the greenhouse because we still get that full five hours or plus right. uh, light. In all directions. Correct. Versus in a house, you've got that window. So let's say if you're only getting four and a half hours of light, you know, now you're probably only getting two and a half hours of light. But on the flip side, you probably have your artificial lights running a lot longer. So, you know, they do get subs light from that but yeah if they're not, not really really sensitive like rosemary for example people have such a problem with rosemary because it's a woody plant and they really need and they're mediterranean and they really yep. need a lot of light yes they do the trick to rosemary though is treat it like it would in the mediterranean yeah their winters are dry yeah do not leave a rosemary moist leave it damp yeah yeah. Like literally almost to the dry point. And then it overwinters actually quite nicely because the plant goes to sleep. I've, I've overwintered rosemary several times. And uh, the thing that I had to learn was that when it starts to drop its needles, it doesn't mean it's dry. It means it doesn't have enough light. So find yeah. some artificial light to give it and don't be tempted to water it because it's just going to kill it. Yes, it will. You'll, you'll be like, oh, you're dropping needles. Here, have some more water. Yeah. Don't stop, please. <laughs> Well, it's the with the English ivies, they, they really starve at this time of the year, Begin a woody plant. Yeah. How, do you, how do you keep yours uh, happy throughout the winter? Again, over the wintertime, it's literally, I keep the soil on the drier side and do a little more spray bombing instead, like where I'll mist the leaves. Yeah. Um, so the plant actually takes its moisture in through the leaf a little bit rather than actually on the root crown. And it just, it makes them thrive and grow. And actually that technique was taught to me by, well, at that time she was like an 80 year old lady. Yes. Um, and she's just like, well, I, I, I hardly ever water my English ivies over the winter time. And hers was like 40 feet long around her room. It wow. was just massive and beautiful. Uh, and she said, that's the trick. She's like, I'll just go and I'll just spray bomb the leaves. She's like, and you know what? And then she added, of course, a little bit of peroxide every two weeks or whatever, you know, just to try to clean it up and keep care of it and that kind of stuff. So that's an interesting point. How much peroxide would you add to, a say, a well, liter she, of water? She only did a tablespoon to like a liter. Okay. Like just a small, small amount just to help or just to kind of sterilize to keep any fungus or uh, mildew off of the leaves. Right. Uh, because you know, English ivies actually are acceptable to mildew, but 
they don't grow it white or powdery like a lot of plants do. Instead, it sits on the underside and just adds harm to the plant. Mm-hmm. So, so well, she just did that. If somebody says, well, my English ivy leaves are drying up, I guess that would be one answer, you know, spray them. Uh, mist- yeah. But is there any other reason that they might dry up and fall off? Um, at this time of year, they're very acceptable to rust. Okay. And again, on an English ivy, rust doesn't go brown. It just makes the leaf go almost like you dehydrated it. Yes, yeah. And oftentimes that is what will kill your English ivy as well, is just rust moving through the dry, stale air in your house in the wintertime. So the plant's already struggling, uh, and then just the rust takes over. So would the hydrogen peroxide help that? Yes, it does. Yeah, it, it'll clean up the rust spores. So one tablespoon hydrogen peroxide with a, a liter of water. Yep, that's what she used, and that, that works perfect. When I'm treating other funguses, or if I actually see the fungus there, then I do 10%. Yeah. Um, but that I don't do that every couple of weeks. I do that only once uh, just, just to get the initial fungus under control if you know you have it. Okay. The other thing that happens at this time of year is often you'll see those critters emerging. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the unwanted six-legged friends. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, the flying uh, and the flying ones. Yeah. And, and fungus gnats, that's, that's only because your product is too wet. Yeah. You, you, you've been overwatering. Fungus gnats only survive if fungus starts to grow in the soil. And then they start preying, of course, on the roots as well, because they eat all the fungus up. And then it adds, of course, problems to your plants. But by letting them or keeping them slightly drier over the winter months, you will not have fungus gnats. Yeah, I don't have any. Which, uh, yeah. but... if, if, if you have plants like um, carnivorous plants where you have to keep them moist, the fungus gnats will multiply there very, very fast. All I would do then is buy a mosquito dunk, soak it in your water, and water them with that at that point, and that'll kill the fungus gnats right out. That's a good idea. I've never never heard that one before. Yeah, mosquito dunks totally kill the larva of fungus gnats and doesn't harm the plant, so it works perfect. So right now, I'm watering most of my plants once every two weeks. Uh, the days will start getting longer soon, and that's when I can start to pick up the watering, right? Yeah, that's when you can start picking up the watering and fertilizer. Usually right. February 1st, that's your first dose of food. Give them some energy, some boost. Don't give them a high number. Don't give them that, you know, 10, 52, 10. That's a rooter. Don't give them that ultra bloom. Give them just like a Schultz or something very, very low, like a 505 or triple zero. Just something really low to give them that food and that energy to say, okay, you know what? Spring's coming. Let's start get rolling. Get ready. Get robust. I want to see more leaves. <laughs> and the, now, when would you start doing that? So the first or second week in March or uh, February? February. Yeah, that's usually when we start giving our plants the fertilizer here. Because uh, the days are, by that time, long enough. We're starting to get six to seven hour days then. Yeah. Uh, and plus, of course. So that's that's when fertilizer, of course, is really activated. Even on the Schultz bottle, if you read it, it actually says minimum of four hours of light a day yeah. for the fertilizer to actually work. Well, it's very soon in February when we're going to have 12 hour daylight, same as we yep. were in August, which Mr. Yep. always points out, he's such a fan of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it happens fairly fast. Like a lot of people don't realize that, but it, it happens pretty fast. So yep. right now, this year my plants are pretty happy. Uh, even, you know, the, um, well, the one that's not that happy is because I'm not misting it, but that's the, the, the polka dot plant, and it's got very oh. fine leaves. So that's one way yeah. people can tell right by the by the this the strength of the leaves if they're very very thin and fine. What would you say? More water, more more misting, um, more humidity. Not necessarily more water, more but misting. definitely more humidity onto the leaves, and that's because. Uh, think of it uh, the same as if you were making a piece of bread or loaf of bread, right? If it's thinner, it's going to cook a lot faster in the oven than if it's a nice big thick loaf. And it's the same with plant leaves. The thinner it is, the more hydration they're going to need, Yeah. Uh, but not from roots. Those plants often are found, you know, at the base of jungle forests and closer to the bog lands, but their feet aren't wet. It's just that there's so much humidity evaporating always into the air, but that's why they're surviving there. And they absorb a lot of, a lot of water through that moisture in the air. 
Yeah. What uh, the other thing that's happening right now is at least particularly this year, and it seems seems that plants have their own mind when it comes to when they're going to bloom. But a lot of amaryllis are just coming into bloom now. Again, that was partially the time that they were harvested um, with just the transportation and all of that kind of stuff. It's thrown and then a lot of hybridization, right? Yeah. Um, so where we used to only have two or three types of amaryllis, now I think they're up around 34 types. Well, and my my red one, which is the one that's not evergreen, it's blooming now. Um, it usually blooms before Christmas. And yeah. then the other one, the evergreen one, probably it's not, last year. Now, here's the thing, though. See, this doesn't always hold true because last year it started blooming just before Christmas and carried on through March because I've got a bouquet of them, right? Remember that? Yeah. Get bigger and bigger and bigger and didn't crowd it. And this year it hasn't bloomed yet. Oh, wow. So it's just coming into it. It looks like it'll probably start putting up, uh, you know, as a, um, what do you call it? What do you call that stock? There's a name for it. Yeah. Now I've just lost it. I had it. I was going to say it. Escape. Escape. Yeah, there we go. Escapes. (laughs) Same with garlic. You got to watch your plants and get to know. Oh, yeah. 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 And amaryllis are so beautiful. They're worth waiting to have come up, yeah. come into blossom and just, just show off their uh, ability. Now they're a bulb, so they're not heavy eaters. Yeah. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of people that have seen it start to come, like the scapes start to open up and they're like, oh, well, let's give it a whole bunch of fertilizer and it just wilted away on them. Yeah. They're, they, they, they don't need that. So anybody else who is having amaryllis just starting, give them a little bit of time like don't don't feed them you should have already had that nutrients in the soil yeah give them the feeding in the summertime when you've got them outside giving them lots of light and they're growing a new bulb or they're growing they're, they're growing the new flower not the new bulb a new flower although mine will grow new bulbs on the side yep <laughs> i saw i saw amaryllis in a, one of those videos from the u.s and they were sitting in somebody's back lane and they had a whole grove of them apparently they just are really quite rampant there oh really so I thought, okay, then I'm going to grow a bouquet. No kidding. <laughs> and it's really uh, the old bulb blooms first, and then the, the the next ones, and so on and so forth, as they go out to the outside of the bulb. Yeah. But I guess I should divide them. But I just kind of like this experiment that's been going on for about ten years now. And it would probably look good anyway. So. Yeah. Why? I, I mean, it looks way nicer when you have a whole bunch of flowers rather than. I mean, the one is nice. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but when you have like a continuous flower arrangement. Yeah, they keep flowering when when some die, the other yeah. one's ready to go. So it's a cool thing. So that's so being bouquet like that. Sorry? Being bouquet like that, how long is your blossom cycle, Dorothy? Well, last year it was a it was a it started before Christmas and didn't end until the end of March. Yep, so three months. Which is pretty good, I think, for, <laughs> for yep. plant. That that's incredible. Wow. Yeah. No kidding. Huh. This year I'll probably have until May, and then of course it blooms again in the summer. This is a very prolific amaryllis. Oh wow! Yeah, that's that's one plant we actually don't carry in the greenhouse as amaryllis. We have we had one in our house, but we gave it away. Somebody came and they're like, oh, "It's so beautiful," and I was like, "Well, if you want it, you can have it. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. it's yours." <laughs> so, what are the other things, or that you think people are having trouble with in their house plants right now? Um, you know, that's that's probably the biggest is that humidity that we talked about mm-hmm. on all house plants. And it's just, you know, because now that you've been running your heat for so long, your houses are getting drier and drier and drier as we're continuing. So, you know, throwing on a diffuser or a humidifier, you know, in, especially in the room that you have a lot of plants in, doing trays underneath them with a little bit of water so it evaporates. That's that's the number one that customers are coming to me right now and saying, why is my plant getting a brown edge on it? Yeah. And it's not always fungus. It's often the dry that's doing this. Yeah, that's very good advice. And uh, and then just remember that in a couple of weeks or three weeks, they're going to start to pick up. Yeah. That's when you want to start, you know, giving them more light and making sure that they've got to, that they're happy. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. So mm-hmm. I thought what we'd do is take a little break. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about what's, what you're doing to prepare, because it's just about time to start planting seeds. Well, it's coming close. Not yeah, quite. it is. <laughs> yeah, for, for most people, it's not yet. For greenhouses, we're just starting. Okay. So, but, but for individual houses, but we'll talk about that when we come back. 
All right, we'll be back in just a moment. We're going to hear a song, and it seems very um, appropriate, Wildflower by Skylark. And you know the story, um, you know, about how it was a taxi driver who wrote this for his 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 loved one. And it yeah. got picked up by David Foster, who played it. And of course, it just became a tremendous hit. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. Yeah, it's a, it's a you often find a lot of amazing songs are written in the most unexpected places or and areas by, and by the most unexpected people. So here we are. Yeah. Well, she's faced the hardest times you could imagine, and many times her eyes fought back the tears. about to fall in Each time her slender shoulders bore the weight of all her fears and a sorrow no one hears still rings in midnight silence in her ears Let her cry I would pick her from the garden to be you enjoyed that song did you enjoy it oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> who wouldn't come on <laughs> there you are. and we're uh, so now we're going to talk a little bit about the fact that it's what everybody's sort of itching to do is get those seeds into the soil and even though it's not going to be for another little while although you're starting some plants right now i think we should yes talk- so what do you start right now? It's now the third week in January as we do this show. Um, well, 
Okay, so I've already done sums up. I actually have seed packs right in front of me right now. This this shows you that I'm ready to start seeding. Look, oh, at it even God. says on your plant ASAP. I'm behind schedule, apparently. Only by like... Tell me, what is it? Yeah. <laughs> as soon as possible. Move your butt on it, I think. <laughs> so what have you thought? Oh, dear. Um, well, um, oh... Now I can't say the Latin name. Um, butterfly bush or butterfly plant, I should say. Um, Ecclesiastes, right? Um, chives. Asclepius. Yeah, Asclepius. There we go. Um, chives. They've got to get done right away. Um, and that's that's the main thing. Strawberries. If you're starting strawberries, now is the time to start them from seed. So how long do they take? Uh, Everbearing. To uh, transplant stage. Like that's a long Strawberry time. Strawberries. Yeah, well, and the thing is, like, these ones are actually going to be more for, like, the ones we're planting now, the ones we put in our baskets should have been sown five weeks ago. Really? Uh, so they're already growing. They're already little plants into second stage plugs. Um, but these are the ones for fall sales now that we're sowing now to get ready for fall sales of the everbearing. So they'll be ready to produce in the fall, though. Okay. Uh, fruit. So, but still, before before transplant, they grow in what we call the plug form or this the the tiny cell form. Yeah, um, we'll leave them in that for six weeks, and then they get transplanted into a larger plug, and then finally into the finished three and a half inch pot. How big? Um, a in about a, it must be pretty small. Strawberry seeds are very small, actually. Um, I mean, not as small as a begonia or lobelia seed, but they're small enough that uh, you can easily, by accident, touch you and. There goes your thousand seeds into one spot. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, sharks. Yeah. Oops, there go. I've got strawberries growing all over the house now. What about chives? <laughs> yep. You said, the chives? Yeah, that's early too. Not no for chives, it's not early at all. Um, especially the garlic chives. They actually take longer than the onion chives to germinate and grow. Yeah. And then they just they take a long time to develop strong to get ready for sale. So we just start them now. We'll trim them back several times, right, before they're actually sold, just to get a really nice thick plant for customers before they buy them. So as a result, we end up starting them now to have them ready for May sales. And the other one you mentioned was Asclepius, or um, yeah. no, I can't think of the common name either. <laughs> Not the butterfly. <laughs> butterfly weed. <laughs> Yeah, that one. Milkweed, milkweed, milkweed. Milkweed, yeah. Very young, you're supposed to remember these things, not like me. Well, well, because of that, everybody wants to stop calling it milkweed because there's that whole tarnish on the, oh, there's that dirty one out in the fields. And it's just, so now they're all like, it's called butterfly weed. And I'm like, why do you guys change it all the time? Like, yeah, just leave also, it with milkweed. When you said butterfly weed, I was thinking of the, you know, the shrubby one that you grow mostly in Ontario because it didn't grow very well here. Yeah, butterfly bush. Yeah. But this one they call butterfly weed. And I'm like, okay, guys. Okay. Nope. <laughs> Whatever. That's that, that that's that's the timing, that's the time change for us, Dorothy. So it takes a long time to germinate and to grow. Um, well, yes and no. The golden we won't be starting for a month, but the red takes the longest time to grow and germinate. Yeah, um sometimes before I get a good germination on it, it's in the chamber up to three weeks. Is it? So that and is the one that's called, um, oh. Scarlet. Yeah. And there's a white ballerina one. Silky. Sorry? Yeah, this is the Silky series. The Silky Scarlet. Yeah, Silky Scarlet. Silky Scarlet. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it just, it takes that long. Now, after it gets growing... It will it'll sit in the plug for a month, um, developing. We'll chill it, let the root develop, and then bring it back into warmer temperatures to bring it back, so that this way it'll bloom this fall for people as well. Right. Okay. What about the one that I planted a few years ago that I haven't been able to get since, and I've been I really wish somebody would plant it. Harry Ball's milkweed. Oh, that one we usually have. I think that one we won't be sowing for. I think next month. It usually goes in February first because okay. it doesn't. You don't really get yeah. the seed heads, which is the, the hairy balls part, uh, if you don't get it in yeah. early enough, right? 
Correct. Yeah, you've got to have it early enough so that uh, it will produce those nice, beautiful uh, green seed outlets. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the green ball. Yeah, <laughs> Literally, yeah. that's what it is. <laughs> so um, they um, get myself all confused here now. <laughs> but they are a, a monarch magnet. They are. You know what? There was somebody who had bought them. We didn't have them last year. Um, only because the cat tipped the tray over on us. <laughs> um, and then, of course, by the time you re-sow it, it's too late. Um, but the year previous, and somebody had planted them in their backyard, and they were like, we've never had butterflies there. Like, yeah. I mean, butterflies there. Well, you I know, mean, they were just blown away. I've grown several different kinds of Asclepius and never had them come uh, for years. And now when I planted that, hairy balls, like two or three plants, they were just covered in the in the butterflies and in the larva. And they're, you know, yep. the plant is really interesting. It's yes, it is. It's so it's it's got a pretty little flower. It's not big, but it's it's nice if you know what it is. But, well you have to you have you have to stop and take attention to the flower. But when you do, it's actually pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Like 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 if you just kept walking by, you would be like, oh, green plant, whatever, you know what type thing. But when you actually stop and look at it and then go and take the time to look at the flower. You're like, okay, that is cool. Yeah. Like it has its own unique texture to that flower. It's just, it's, it's amazing. And you know, a lot of plants are that way, right? Yes. Oftentimes you'll walk by, like even when you're taking a trail bushwalk, you don't see so much because we're doing it so fast. Like life is so absorbent on us and, and high speed that we don't take the moments to actually slow down and take the precaution of oh what is happening to that bush you know what what what's going on here what's doing this those types of things you know so that's the reward it's worth growing in the garden and i mean i've i've been i've been somebody interested in photography since i was i think 13 or 14 i bought my first camera i got a job and i bought a camera and uh you know so all the pictures in the family are the little box camera that dorothy had when she was a little girl but it, it <laughs> Now I've got this wonderful tool at the my my cell phone. I've been through all the cameras, and I have very fancy Nikon's and so on. I like my cell phone because it's so easy to manage, and it does a pretty yep. good job. And so when I walk, it does. I cannot stop taking pictures. I have thousands of pictures, but you know, mm -hmm. it really forces you to take a hard look. Yes, it does. And, get well, and I love getting close. Yeah. Like, I love it that, especially cell phones now, where they have the micro lens on them as well. Yeah. Now you can get real close. And, uh, yeah, like, I just, I I did a picture, where was it, on the Instagram back in the fall time. And I had taken it, and it was a plant, picture of a plant in somebody's yard. And then I noticed that there was actually, like, thrip feeding on the um, yeah. sap. So I put it on micro and went in and took an even better picture, you know, and then posted that on Instagram. And everybody was like, why would you take a picture of a plant with insects or pests on it? That's so I was like, well, because first, they're already there. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not going to pretend that this world is perfect and that they're not there because a plant yeah. needs those bad bugs as well as the good bugs. They make it help make it perfect. Yes. Yeah. And that's the balance. And people... But people were just so shocked that me as a grower would post a picture with a bad bug here, say it on a photo, <laughs> you know, and I was like, well, it, it's part of our life. It's there. Well, it's I, I don't believe that we should have a sterile world. No, because that's a no, that actually doesn't work. And if you don't have the no. balance, if you don't have those those bugs and those fungi, fungus and, and all those things. The balance gets upset and then people get sick and plants get sick and things don't grow and uh, the world turns into yeah. a mess. So, but taking yeah. a look and discovering them for yourself is a pretty cool thing. And I, this it year, is. I noticed there weren't very many bugs in the August, September period when I go bug looking. Did you see many? No, there wasn't. Not a lot. It was definitely greatly down. It was incredible how much was down. And there's no other than that there wasn't very much moisture so they were harboring around those spots that had moisture yeah well and they they, they wax and wane just like everything else you know nothing's yep. the same as earth right it's, it's a, i don't know people seem to think it's you know if it's not like this on one way one road one path it's not working but it does that is what it does it's very good that's gonna say that is how it works <laughs> yeah 
And that's why we like changes every day. And this spring, it's not going to be any different. But I'm very excited to hear you're growing the hairy balls plant. I will be definitely coming for some. Don't you dare sell them all before I get there. (laughs) All right. I won't. No, I'll try not to. I No, I won't. (laughs) That's a very Yeah. So you've got those three going. Asclepias, Clives, Chives. Chives, yep. Strawberries. And what about pansies? I've heard that you're supposed to start pansies fairly early. Um, now, as a, as, a, as a home gardener, you probably would start them, but we have a steam germinator and a very warm temperature room. Like it's pansies wanted at 76 degrees. It's at 76 degrees to germinate. Ah. As soon as they come out germination, if they wanted at 88 degrees, that room is switched to 88 degrees like that. So their cycle is perfect and they grow like bang on precision. We don't lose or gain or like it's it's perfect so because of that i don't have to start my pansies till i believe it is february 15th well so do you plant most of your plants i mean you buy some from plugs right but how many yeah like all vegetative plants that we can't start by seed of course we have to order all of that in that's that's owned by a company um and we have to buy it as finished or as plants young plants yeah but the seed for our operation we try to start as much as of it as we can. And that's because I like to see stuff germinating. It also helps me learn the characteristics of the plants and furthers my education towards that plant as a grower, because I'm for, I, I learned then, you know, what degree does it want to germinate at? How far does it need to go? You know, what is it going to take? What's the pH for the soil for this plant? Those types of products so that I'm able to produce the very best plant that I can. If I'm ordering it in, and you know what, those growers that I would order in from do a very, very good job. Yes. I'm, I'm not saying they don't. It's just I like to know my plants. Yeah. So and that's why that that's why I do it. I I'm I'm still that I'm I'm not an industry or that kind of a business where I'm just like, well, let's just do it, put it on the shelf and sell it. I want to know about it because when my customer comes to me and says, Oh, well, all your plants died, so it's your product. I'm going to say to them, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You don't realize I've had this plant since it was born. Yeah. Since the day it germinated, I've had this plant. And it was alive here. <laughs> now tell me what you did when it left here. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, it, it, it changes the whole aspect once they realize that I'm not doing it like the big box stores. Yeah. You know, I know my plant. And I want to work with my customers and I think most nurseries that are family owned or that are going to do that, where they want to know, you know, why did it not work for that customer? Because we want, we're not selling this product, you know, for a living just, it's because we want Manitoba to look beautiful. So there that, are that, plants, as a grower, that's our desire. There are some plants that you're more likely to plant from seed than others. One, I had a question the other day on my gardener, on Canada's local gardener site about daylily seeds. And they, I don't know if you've seen them, but these are these beautiful structured daylilies. I there's, can't think of the word for them, but that's one of the names for them that are really ornamental and they have sort of beautiful ruffled leaves inside, uh, petals inside the petals. She wanted to know how where you know how how you could plant them from seed. You don't plant daylily from seed, do you? No, and the reason why is because, okay, if, if she has that Asiatic, lily and that's what it sounds like it's one of the asia asiatic varieties because of that it's going to be very very hybridized already yeah so for her to take that seed it may have actually pollinated with like a tiger lily and she probably may not get that anyways and then it also takes two to three years to get a plant from a daylily seed that's what i told her that so, you get two or three yeah years. for us it's easier to actually plant the plants let it multiply take the pups grow them a year and then sell them rather than take the seed and wait three years to find out if it's the same or not. And that's the other point that daylilies hybridize very readily and that you're never sure what you're going to get. You might get something completely unique. (laughs) Yeah, which which, exactly, which is awesome. And that is what they do when they're creating new varieties. Um, They do hybridize them and cross pollinate them on purpose to get those new colors and forms. Right. But then after they get that, they'll never take the seed from that plant again. Instead, they only do it by boblet. Yeah. 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 Well, there's some beautiful varieties out there. But of course, there's, I mean, there's never ending variety in this world. We think we've seen everything in there. Oh. <clears throat> <Not> even- 
<laughs> you, you've been in this longer than I have. And I, like, just, oh man, there's so much new stuff. And just, you know, and then you start looking at seed catalogs from other countries and you're like, well, why haven't we had this before? It's just beautiful. <laughs> you know, so it's just, oh, it's, it's ever ending. I think that's what makes gardening so inspirational because it's never, it's never finished. Yeah. There's always something to be done. There's always something new and exciting or something to just lift you up. Right. Like it's just, oh man, gardening. <laughs> I know. What are you planting this year? That's very new that people will be surprised about. Well, one of them is going to be a daylily. <laughs> now, now that you bring it up, um, it's a beautiful pink uh, with a, an amazing white flare around the very edge of the petals. But like it's doubled. So, hello, right? Um, I think one of the other things that I'm actually kind of excited about this year, now people are going to only be able to grow it outside for the summer, then they're going to have to bring it in. Yeah. But it's star anise. I finally got some star anise plants. And that's going to be cool because I've always wanted myself to grow star anise just to find out how it's going to work, what's going to happen, you know, how it actually develops on the plants and I want to see it bloom and then create that amazing star that tastes so delicious in soup. Well, it's a seed that's a star, isn't it? Yes. What is the flower like? Yeah, but I actually don't know. I actually haven't even Googled that one because I'm kind of leaving it as a surprise when it happens. So I haven't, I haven't done research to find out what the plant blossom looks like. I've just did research to find out what the pH, all that kind of stuff is. And the blossom came up and Candace is like, oh, Shay, you should. And I was like, no, 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 no. This one has to be, I want to see it. <laughs> like, I, I want to live it. Talking about that, on Facebook the other day, there was a, a Sansevieria plant, three of them actually, and they were blooming. Have you ever got a Sansevieria to bloom, mother-in-law's tongue? All the time. Yeah, all the time. So, and not every Sansevieria variety blooms exactly the same they're all slightly different in their bloom structure as well okay. uh, right now actually i think cylindricals in our greenhouse are blooming so how do you get them to bloom um it's more than anything matching the condition of the environment that they grow up in yep. so a lot of people treat sansevieria as actually very 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 well here in our houses because of course we love them right so we take very very good care of them yeah just folks therefore they're not if you're wondering what this is, we're using the the, the, the Latin term, but actually their mother-in-law's tongue is one. Yeah. Another one is snake plant, things that they call as plant yeah. in common terms, right? Yeah, 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 that's what it is. And so where they live in the wild, they actually have four months of no water. Ah. And in that process, the leaves actually start to dry out a little bit. Now, not enough that there's damaged tissue, okay, but enough that they... Let me interrupt you and say, what does it, the leaf look like when it starts to dry out? Describe that. Well, instead of having that lush fill to it, like, you know how they're a little bit thicker and they kind of have yeah. that lush fill to them? Um, it gets thin, almost so that it's like you can see the two outer layers of skin or tissue touching each other because there's no pulp in the middle. Wow. Now, not, not so much, though, that, like, if you leave it too, too long, that'll become permanent damage. Yeah. So there, there, there is a slight fine line, you know, between, okay, you know what, now it's time to give you water so that you come back. And treating it to that environment of where it comes from like that forces the plant into going, okay, I almost passed away. Like, I almost ended my life there. And then, of course, the monsoon rain comes brings it right back to life and then it blooms so and that's how you do it how much light does do you have to give it more light or is it how much um during that resting period that one you see i haven't experienced i i have them in the greenhouse so you know they have the same as manitoba gets where they are they have full eight hours of light but i'm getting them to bloom here with what over january there they got uh the end of December, January, they got what four and a half hours of light, and yeah, they they're blooming right now. So, in a dark place, but I'm just wondering because yeah. many of us grow them in a darker place in our house, and so in order to get them to bloom, I wonder, do we have to put them in more light, or can they stay in that dark place? 
Um, probably. Well, see, because the thing is, they they're not growing in full sun where they originate from, right? Like all across South America and that, they're not growing in the full sun locations. They're actually growing in those, uh, you know, more shaded spots. They're down in the beds of trees over top of them. So I don't think it's so so much the light. And I would I would only say that because I had a customer in her house who then dried it out the same as I had told her, and hers bloomed for her, and she was just ecstatic. You know, she tied up my whole morning with photos and <laughs> it was awesome she was just she was just hyper she's like it's doing it it's doing it you know well so, uh, I ask you this because the article that came with the picture was not very helpful so we could yeah. probably give people a little more better advice uh that when, what you just say because it sure didn't talk about anything like that in fact it was kind of pointless just that oh maybe hmm. get lucky and it'll bloom <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you'll get it to bloom. No, no, no. There's a procedure and you'll get it to bloom. Now, it also has to be a three-year-old plant. Like, don't don't take one of those pups and go, okay, I'm going to force you to bloom. It doesn't work. It has to be a three-year-old plus plant. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, that's good. Yeah, so lots of people love their snake plant. And oh, yes. It's a very good plant to have in your house. It does a lot of good things. It cleans the air. And it's... Yep. Well, rejuvenates the air it uh, helps you breathe better cleans the dust gets rid of the mold like it's just it's an amazing plant and it's easy to care for so there's a now you just sent something that i i just mentioned today the other day i was on kevin on um clay Young's show on cjob and i have telling him about easy plants to grow and that question of mold that what will grow or will get rid of mold and i was really surprised to hear that peace lilies will do that Yes, they will. He says, yeah, a lot of people don't realize that peace lilies actually have a very strong, um, what is it, uh, mildew? Well, not mildew, mold uh, tolerance to them. Yeah. So yeah. Benzene, xylene. I'm reading benzene, xylene, carbon monoxide, formaldehyde, acetate, and alcohol. They'll remove all of those from the air, and they will also discourage mildew in bathrooms or bedrooms or wherever. So it's they're yeah. recommending that you have it in your bedroom uh, because it also promotes sleep. This yeah. is lily. You know, the common yes. lily that, you know, like this one behind me here. So yeah. that's really cool, isn't it? It is. It's absolutely. The only thing with peace lilies is they do require a little more light than some other plants, though. But not a lot. So, not a lot. Yeah, not a lot. Yeah, a lot of people will make the mistake of putting them in the window when they should actually be to the side of windows. Yeah, so he is a very happy dark green. He's getting a blossom right now. Yeah, not he's facing north, but he's not in the direct light. He's off to the side a little bit. Yeah. Uh, why do I, why Have do you ever? He and some call she. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just our habit. I don't know. <laughs> oh, do you know some? Do you do that? Some are he and some are yeah. she. <laughs> Candace asked me the same reason a little while ago, and I couldn't come up with a reason. I'm like, I don't know. It just happens. <laughs> well, he's maybe a, the characteristic of the plant. I don't know the our relationship with that particular plant. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but it's a heck of a lot of fun. Uh, we started off talking about what we're planting in seeds right now. We kind of got <laughs> sidetracked, which is pretty typical of Shay and I. <laughs> I was gonna say we 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 definitely went squirreled again. We're, we're, as bad, we're as bad as the dog. Squirrel, squirrel. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh boy. But you know, that that's gardening, right? It's just, oh, you can you can go on, you know, and you'll take rabbit trails so fast that before you know it, you're like, oops, what, what were we originally talking about? Yeah, so exactly. We do it all the time. Well, let's gather our thoughts and have another song. And I thought this time we would try something a little bit different. It's new. It's called uh, Serenade. It's Garden Serenade, and it's by a group called Secret Garden. So this is a little relaxing. Listen to this and tell me what you think about it later. We'll be back after this. Thank you. 
Okay, we are back, and isn't that a beautiful song? That's amazing. It's just amazing, the melody, how it flows. I can imagine myself seating with that one. Yeah. <laughs> Serenade to Spring. I got the name wrong at the outset. Serenade to Spring by Secret Garden. And I don't know, it just makes you feel like spring, it makes you feel like you're in a garden. Yeah. No, yeah, definitely. That's for sure. So we, you were telling me what you were planting, and one of the things that you said was a pink daylily that's going to have a double bloom with a white edge. It sounds stunning. Yeah. What else? It's, it's definitely going to be. Um, there's a, there's a, there's a, it's a papaya petunia. Now I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know if they're actually got a nice orange back or not. But it's finally on the break because it's oh, it's a papaya is, petunia. So this it's is we've it's been waiting for right. This is the one we've been waiting for that they said last year and the year previous. We're working on it. Just wait. Right. Uh, so they finally released it this year. Um, so it'll be interesting to find out how it comes about. Now it's in it's in a different series. It's in the Perfect Tunia series yeah. done by Westkopf, uh, or Westkopf breeders out of Germany, I think is where they're from. Yeah. So it's not in the crazy Tunia family yet it's still just in the perfect tunia family uh the perfect tunias half of the series is good half of the series isn't all right come back a little bit what is better about the crazy tunia than the perfect tunia what's the difference um in my opinion the crazy tunia for the canadian environment is just a lot better um in the sense that it can tolerate our cooler springs and then our extensively hot summers better right. than some of the other series of petunias. Uh, everybody thinks that a petunia is a petunia. It's not. They breed them for different areas of the world, right? Um, and the crazy tunia is bred for North America. Like they understand cool spring, extremely robust hot summer. The perfect tunia is coming from Europe, is where its stem is. And they stay a little bit cooler late summer than we do. So because of that, the heat often will burn them out. Okay. Now, again, though, like I said, half of the series works here, half of the series doesn't. So it depends on the gene pool that they got into this new papaya series uh, as to whether or not it's going to work, I guess, in Manitoba. But even if it doesn't perform over, let's say, July and August, it'll totally come back September and October anyways. So I'm still willing to give it a little bit of try. I think what we'll probably have to do if it's in the other half of the series that doesn't like our climate and they haven't said yet because it's too new. They don't know where it's going to fit yes. into this line, but I would just trim it back for those hot months, let it regrow. And then this way it comes right back into the fall. Right. Would you put it in a slightly shadier place in the heat of the um, Not for the perfect tunias. No, uh, unfortunately not. They, they are a full sun petunia. Right. They, they, yeah, they want that full exposure to the sun and to keep them nice and stocky. That's the other thing that I don't like too, too much about the perfect tunia is they are picky about location. Well, um, I know some, some petunias have very thin stems. Yeah. And they don't do that well here. Would that be in that series? It is in the perfect tunia series. Yeah. Yeah. Where they, they just never build up that strong, robust stem line to hold theirself. So it makes them a little bit more acceptable to wind. So, you know, yeah, sheltered location kind of but you know this is the start right if if the flower looks good other breeders will now be able to start picking it up yeah. and not genetically modified so yes. <laughs> yes well they seem very susceptible to um aphids as well the thin stemmed ones yeah they do however though i haven't noticed that out of westcoff's uh perfect tunia series no i haven't no i haven't noticed that there particularly I know that there was the older series, um, the Ray and the Happy series coming from Israel of Danzinger and uh, two other breeders. They were very acceptable, but they've discontinued those series now. They've, they're not even selling them to North America, so mm -hmm. they're not even available to us. Okay, uh, but so Perfect Tunia. Orange is yeah. back in the Petunia world, which should be good news for those who really enjoyed the orange a few years ago. Anything yeah. else that's not in the petunia world that you really are stricken with? Um, well, you know what? Variegated string of pearls. You're seeing them everywhere, right? Variegated um, string of pearls? What, yes. The, the, the succulent? Yes. So to add that to uh, your landscape is going to be gorgeous, Dorothy. It's just stunning having it 
spring down the side of a pot up against your stucco house or something. Oh, it's just beautiful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, it's just amazing. <laughs> so, and you're going to see a lot of those this year in nurseries because up to this point, they weren't very readily available. And this year they're available. Like everywhere is going to have them, I'm pretty sure, by looking at the stock. So could you take them in in the winter and overwinter them as well? Oh, definitely. Yeah, they'll make perfect house plants. So it's one of those plants where you can put them up for the summer and then bring in for the winter and get a dual, you know, product from it, right? But they do perform very well outdoors as well. Like they like that. Not in full, full sun. In the heat of the day, they want their shade. But other than that, they'll perform very, very well outdoors. Hmm. Okay. Um, <clears throat> another plant that was new last year, but didn't actually make it to Canada because of the sellout on it is a new English ivy and it's called blizzard. Okay. You should Google that one. It is beautiful. It's a three-tone color in the leaf. It's the green, the white, and the yellow, but it's literally blizzard into each other. It's just gorgeous, the foliage on it. It's a larger leaf as well, much like the old English ivy. Um, kind of kind of between the giant series and the regular English ivy. So it's in the middle or mid series. Right. Uh, that one's new this year and it's going to be gorgeous. Like adding it to your shade foliages into those, you know, darker spots where you want some color. Having an English ivy come down with the robust color that this plant has is just going to be stunning. So <laughs> like, are we, absolutely. As, um, from what you're saying, it sounds like we will. Uh, as many tropicals mixed in with our regular house plant or our regular garden plants this year as we've done in the past two or three years? I think this year you're going to actually see more of it because there's a lot of tropicals that are available and the market for house plants has taken a bit of a slow. So greenhouses are going to be incorporating it now into that outside stuff because prices are starting to come down on the tropicals. Um, and because anytime the price comes down, it makes it more accessible to put it into your landscape, right? Uh, so you're going to see a lot more landscape or tropical into your landscape this year than what you've seen previously. Before it was concentrated on house. Now it's going to be concentrated on incorporating those plants into your yard this year by the looks of it. One of my favorites in the last few years is the Boston Ivy. And I yes. buy a half a dozen of them and string them all over my yard. And then I've yep. them in the house too. They don't really like it in the house, but they'll get through if you're careful. And, yep. and, and, you know, I gave one to Judy Saxby and it looked it's gorgeous. And she's had the second year and it's beautiful. I don't have that much light. But uh, they're really, are you going to have those again this year? Because they really brighten up a yard. As far as I know, we are. They're on order. They haven't been canceled. So they better be. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's all I can say right now. We've ordered them. <laughs> but I always, I always put that hesitation because there's the odd time that sometimes stuff will get canceled. <laughs> I still have four who are doing okay. One I drowned, but it, it's trying to dry out. We'll see if it lives. I went away on a holiday and I overwatered it and uh, we came back. And was, uh. So first you put it in the swimming pool, then you put it in the desert. Dorothy, no, I'm oh, kidding. Yeah, I wasn't happy. That's my own. I should have dumped the water out of the tray and I didn't. Yeah. It was like a second year plant. Oh. Oh boy, it would have been gorgeous. Don't you kill yourself when you do things like that. You just what an idiot. Why did I do that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no oh my. And you were just too lazy. Oh, one thing that should be coming, they confirmed, and if they don't cancel it, dwarf figs, Dorothy. Really? A fig tree that grows a maximum of four feet tall and will produce to the average person thirty to forty figs a year. Wow. So it is, it, it's, it's small enough that it's going to work as a house plant. Yeah. And how much light like, for that one? Um, it is a fig. So Southwest or uh, East window, like nothing on the North. It's, yeah. it's a fig plant. So, you know, it does need that higher light, but it's, it's small enough that it's not going to take up your whole window. Okay. So people are growing lemon trees inside now too. Have you done that? Oh yes. Yeah. Uh, we're just about to eat another lemon. Are you? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't tried it yet. Um, one of my sisters tried it. Bryden and mum have now tried it, but I haven't. I'm waiting for the next lemon to ripen and then Candace and I will try it. <laughs> Are they easy to grow? Yes, but no. Uh, citrus fruit is one of those. See, the reason why I say yes, but no is even over the winter time, they are very heavy eaters. But you have to watch, of course, your fertilizer. Like I have a, a friend who 
had one that was doing really well. And then he gave it the summer fertilizer and killed the thing. Huh. Uh, and it's just so they, they, they are picky. They need bone marrow as well. Like uh, they can't just, or bone mill, sorry. They can't, just survive off of just fertilizers. Yeah. They need a very coarse soil <clears throat> and constant moisture, but not wet. Yeah. And the soil you plant them in has to drain well. Like don't don't plant them in any heavy soil whatsoever. They hate it. They will not do good for you. They need a well-drained soil. And because of that, you got to keep watering them very, very frequently and loads of food. Mm-hmm. But with that, they only bloom in the wintertime. Like here, even in Manitoba, they'll only bloom, you know, November, December. And then it takes a whole year for that fruit to ripen. Wow. A year. So when you're harvesting, they're blooming again. Huh. Is how it works. Is it is a very fragrant bloom? It is. Uh, it smells like a lilac uh, with a citrus smell. It's that fragrant. Yes. Little white, little white blossom with loads of pollinets that come off of it. What, what do you mean pollinets? Uh, like um, <clears throat> pollen stigma or whatever, like the little little balls of pollen sitting on the end of the blossoms. Okay. And how do they pollinate if they're growing indoors? Um, so the ones that mostly you're going to find the garden centers are self-pollinating. Uh, they're all hybrid versions of the lemons and whatnot. So they're they're self-pollinators. If you want really good pollination, though, use an electric toothbrush or, of course, a Q-tip. Electric toothbrush works best, though, uh, just because you get that same vibration that a bee gives and pollen floats around, right? Uh, but a Q-tip works as well. And that's a nice thing about a lemon or an orange tree is it's not like you're going to have one. If you're taking care of it, you're going to have like five or six blooming at a time. So it's really easy to cross or to pollinate between those blossoms, right? You don't need a male or a female. Um, they're antibacetic, so they can go between blossom to blossom. Okay. So what about the orange tree? Because you grow those too? Yeah, same procedure. It's exactly the same as the lemon. Watch your fertilizing, you know, and all of that. And they do, like, I have some customers who are growing them in Northwindle. They're struggling. They're not as big as ours are. Or my sister, uh, my sister has it in a full south window and the thing is growing immensely in her house. Like she can't believe it. She's just amazed. Yeah. But I, I will state like before she just took it home and was trying to do it without, you know, doing research and whatnot. Until she gave it some bone mill, it just didn't do very much though. Like it, yeah. the bone mill is a good diet for citrus trees. Wow. And they need it. Yeah, they actually need it. It's a, it's it's a must for them. Kind of like you know how it helps a rose perform. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's a must for citrus fruit. And you get those lovely glossy leaves, so the plant is always nice. Oh yes, yeah. How long? Yeah, it's a very nice. Oh, it's a it's a lemon or citrus tree. There, I think in Florida, the oldest citrus tree right now is what two hundred and sixty years or something rather. So a house plant would live a long time. Oh, yes. Yeah. If you, if you take care of it, you're going to be passing it to your grandchildren. Cool. <laughs> Hopefully they take care of it. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Wow. So there's yeah. a lot going on in that. And I mean, those are the kinds of challenges that I think real gardeners like to take on as time goes on. Yeah. Yeah. They, they definitely are like they are like somebody came to me who was a new gardener and she's like, I'm killing all my plants. And she wanted to buy it because they are a little bit pricier. You know, you're looking around that 60 to $80 depending on species. Uh, she wanted to buy one. And I, I just said to her, you know, until you are better at this, I'm not going to recommend it because it is a pro plant. Yeah. Like they are, they're not, that, that's, that's why I said to you, they're easy, but not Yeah. because yeah. you know, you match, you match their conditions and they're, they're perfect. They got no problem. But if you don't give them what they want, they do not forgive yeah, you. There you go. Okay. Yeah. So we've gone through pretty much, um, you know, we'll keep getting back to the plant you grow indoors, but that's the kind of time of the year it is. Is there, Definitely. Just, is there a last special plant that you want to recommend to flower on the flowering plants this year? Oh, on the flowering plants this year. Oh, boy, my brain is going through like a hundred thousand plants right now. <laughs> yeah, so it's hard to pick. It is. Um, 
you know, I'm going to bring up, see, because what, three, two years ago, we had powdery bildu move through the impatient crops like crazy. Yes. Um, and now I think people are almost scared to grow impatience in Manitoba again. However, ball breeders has come up with two new varieties. Um, it's the Beacon and the Amari series. Yeah. And I grew them last year and actually infected them on purpose with powdery mildew. And they actually didn't die. They survived and actually got over the infection. Oh, good. Yeah. So I was very, very impressed with the product. Um, so we're going to be picking up. So I think that's what I want to leave with people. Don't be scared as long as your grower is because the other varieties are still available. And I would stay away from the other varieties. They are very acceptable and they are being wiped out continually every summer right now. Yeah. But as long as it, as long as it is the Amari and the Beacon series, uh, I think you're probably all right with replanting and patience again, okay. uh, because they're just, they're so perfect for that shade area. They're just, it, it's mm -hmm. really hard to beat an impatience. Now, people were looking for them last year, too. Uh, I ran into some saying, where can I get impatience? They don't seem to be available anywhere. So Beacon yeah. is the one you need to look for, right? Yeah, yeah. Beacons are the tall ones. So they'll grow up to 22 inches tall. So they're for those big landscape areas. And then Amari is the shorter. You know, they grow a maximum of 10 inches, I think it is. So they're the short landscape or a border impatience. Oh, you would. <laughs> Mary A M A R I, something like that. Yeah, I could uh, pull it up in the catalog. Well, that's okay. It just it gives us an idea what what uh, to people to look for. They can get usually. Yeah, and just like make sure when you go to the garden centers that it's those series because if you're gonna go with the super elf and I love super elf and impatience, but they're just not forgiving. The ones that are they're uh, yeah they're yeah they're they're getting infected. Yeah, so it's M or I M A R A. Oh, A R A. Okay, there. That's the only thing I made. Mean, yeah. So I'm going to make sure I let people know about that. Super Elfin is the one to avoid. And yeah, Super Elfin. They're just the old ones. You know, they they still perform really well. Nothing wrong with them, except for that they are getting the powdery mildew and it's wiping them out. I if I was a buyer, I wouldn't want to spend my money on a product that I know was going to die. Yeah. And right now in Manitoba, I can almost say super elfins will die on you. There's just, they, they will do it. Okay. The, the uh, so, you know, what was the beacons? Yeah. How, how tall do they get? Up to 22 inches. Okay. And so they get, they, they get, uh, they're 10 to 12 inches. So they're, they're the shorter ones again. Okay. Good. All right. Fine. I'll make sure I make uh, make that clear. Well, as usual, our hour has gone by. We've kind of exceeded it. We <laughs> we never have any trouble filling in the time. And uh, <laughs> like with me, Shay. Um, I think I mentioned to you earlier that uh, as we get into the February period, Sean is going to join me on the show, and uh, we'll yes. both on localgardener.net as well as here. And I might do the occasional show by myself, but I'm thinking of doing an issue show. And that doesn't mean to say we can't do garden issues. So <laughs> I wanted to make sure that we went on one of the last individual shows that I plan to do on the gardening side. And people, you know, you, you've got like you've got 25 editions or episodes you can go back and listen to. And Shay has got yep. those, so there'll be lots, lots to listen. But uh, I go back and I go back and listen to them, Dorothy. And I'm okay. a grower. So. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, we do have a lot of fun, don't we? And, oh yeah um you'll definitely have shay well you'll hear shay on the air again just with sean and me it's a little bit different and she'll keep us on track she won't let us <laughs> off on a tangent the way we normally do shay <laughs> oh boy uh well we'll see we'll, we'll just have to see if we can get her on our side and roll the other way dorothy <laughs> that could be we'll teach her a few things <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, it's always a delight oh, to have you, Shay. You're one of my favorite guests, and uh, and we'll have you again when it's the dual, the dual dot and Shauna show, or whatever we want to call it. Uh, <laughs> and happy. Well, it, it, likewise, it's a pleasure. It's awesome being, you know, and just chatting with you. It's just, oh, it's a real pleasure. You know what? How long have we been doing this? I think it was about. It's been. How old are you now? Thirty. Oh, I know. I'm older. I'm older than that. I'm. <laughs> 
Well, then it's smart because <laughs> I think you were 20 when you first came to see me. Yeah, it, it's been, a, you know, I was looking back at the dates of when we first started to get really heavy into succulents in the greenhouse. Yes. Um, and I was surprised to see that it was uh, 12 years ago myself. I was just oh, yeah, like, you were. Yes. wow. And so, you know, and that, pardon? That's how we got acquainted because you contacted me about the succulents. Yeah. You know, and they're, they're amazing plants, right? Like, how can you not? I think they'll always be part of people's landscapes. Yes. It's just not going to leave. They're amazing plants. So, yeah. We have to plug for the new conservatory at the Peace Gardens that should be ready this summer, later this summer. Yep, that's looking really good. It's it's amazing. People need to go down and just uh, take a look around and put some money into the donation box. Yes, exactly. We'll have a big celebration and you will definitely be at the top of our list, Shay. So, <laughs> All right, sounds awesome. Okay, thanks again and we will see you soon, folks. I'll be back again next week when our guest is none other than all my favorite guests at the end of this period Kevin Toomey and my final single guest will be Mr. Tomato so there we go see you next nice. week bye <laughs> bye bye Robin 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 don't forget the Robin don't forget the Robin 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 Robin, Robin. don't forget the Robin oh.